Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to Candyman, a podcast where we're not going to be talking about Candyman Day of the Dead, the third movie in the Candyman franchise, because that's not what this podcast is about. It's about Just Sweet not Tooth. What it is. Yes. It's oh, Sweet Tooth on man. Netflix, oh, the new that. show. Oh. Where we talk about an episode of Sweet Tooth and we review a piece of candy. I am Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Sweet Tooth Episode 5, What's in the Freezer. Oh, man. And later on in the episode, we're going to be reviewing Pete's favorite candy that's been heavily teased on this podcast, so that's very exciting. Don't play with my emotions. We're not reviewing my favorite candy. Oh, we're not? No. Uh, You said it. No. You said it was your favorite. No, Reese's Pieces is my favorite. We're oh, doing okay. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Okay? Oh, you could just break it up into tiny pieces and then eat it. And that's the whole... It's not the same that's thing. That's what it is. Now, we'll different. get into the episode of Sweet Tooth in a second, but uh, I, I went to the gas station, and they only had these Reese's Pieces. that, oh. like, They had the candy shell, but they had chocolate inside and then a peanut in the center. It's, it's basically nice. the same thing, right? You are an asshole. <laughs> I went to the gas different. station and the ghost that runs it handed me um, a handful of broken glass and peanut butter and was like, I can't "Is this Reese's Pieces, Alex?" <laughs> I can't believe your gas station that you go to. It's all artisanal uh, stuff. Like, no, I will. You I will must tell be you in why. a bougie area. Of we Brooklyn. really should get yeah. in and talk at Sweet Tooth and save this for the end of the podcast. But I don't fuck around with Reese's peanut butter cups. Those are. Oh, Those are making okay. my new role. Oh, okay. That's what's okay. going on. This yeah. is your favorite candy. That's yeah, maybe what's it is. going on. And oh, they had, I did go to the gas station, and they had an insane array of Reese's peanut butter cups. They had the big cups with pretzels. They had some oh. sort of thing with like a brownie blondie cake at the bottom or something what? like that. But I was like, nope. 
We gotta go. OG I love this. the idea of this this carless man, Alex Zalbin, <laughs> walking walking into a gas station, being like, "Hey, I'm back again. Just trying to sample some candy." And they're like, "What the fuck are you doing here, dude?" The fun <laughs> joke that I do every time when I walk in is I point to my mouth and say, "Fill her up." Oh wow, <laughs> wow! No. I believe it. First time he filled it up with gas, so that was bad. But then, yeah. Yeah, when are we reviewing the ultimate candy, gasoline? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we probably should have themed that with this episode because there's a lot of stuff getting burned down. Now, Aww. usual spoiler warning here. We're going to rush through. Rush. Give it a broad, we're going to rush through. Now, we're <laughs> going to spend a lot of time on candy. We so, can't no, I'm saying the recap portion we're going to rush through, so oh, I definitely okay, watch okay. the episode. Just say it in a nice pace. You're not. Don't get all gassed up on your car I'll candy. It, I'll tell you what. I'll do a James Brolin style. How about that? There it is. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> on no, Sweet Tooth, Gus it. and Jeopard are traveling through the wilderness, and they go along with Bear, but the real Bear is the emotions they're going to have to deal with. <laughs> Oh man! All right. No, I'm not going to do that the entire time. I will blow up my voice. Yeah, I think be. that's we. That's the new segment. We're going to get you a no. vocal coach to really brawling it up. Mm-hmm. He's great. I love it. I mean, we do kick off with this framing device where Gladys, who we last saw leaving uh, what we now know as Rockridge, the community where Singh was, she is hiding out. She faked her illness. Abbott comes after her, kills her, and finds out that the what? book. I the, don't know if kills her. It, they have a little injection needles. That's just could be. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was penicillin that, or something. That yeah, could yeah. have been a, a COVID vax. Yeah, exactly. Shot. They're gonna have to come back in like four weeks to give her the second dose. That's right. Said we must redose Gladys. Let's truly take <laughs> take care of the people. So Abbott is going after the hybrids. He's going after Singh. That ties into Singh's storyline where they killed Nancy, stuck her in a freezer. Oh. No, they were clear. She got horsed. Yeah, she She got horsed. horsed. Speaking of which, this is a little bit of a side trip, but you can check out comicbookclub.threadless.com right now for the official Get Horsed t-shirt to celebrate your favorite show, Sweet Tooth, and your second favorite show, The Prank Show, Get Horsed, as mentioned on the last podcast. (laughs) But what was nice is they had a nice moment. They were like, you didn't kill her. I we'll, didn't get to. We'll get to the storylines. We'll get to the storylines in a second. But let me just say on the merch front, I don't know how many get horse T-shirts we're looking to move, but I feel there are going to be three going out the door based on this one right here. I'm definitely getting one. I'm going to be kicking that right out the door and into my chest. So, Sig storyline. Uh, it is revealed that they killed Nancy. It is revealed that Ronnie has been sick. They saran wrap them. They burn down their house. But at the last second, Abbott saves them leading to a confluence of at least two storylines. Meanwhile, with Amy, things are going very nicely at first there. She is gathering all of these hybrids, but then they are found by the last men. Again, we're slowly starting to see these storylines come together. And Gus and Jeopard, as we talked about the last episode, and as you were worried about, Pete, they meet up with Bear almost immediately. She gives him the information on what's going on with Gus's mommy. And he, Mommy? they wander through a big 
flower-filled valley called the Valley of Sorrows. Gus falls in, has a hallucinatory experience, visits with his pupa a little bit, has visions of the future, perhaps. And by the end of the episode, though, they have formed a little bit of a detente. Gus and uh, Jeopard and Bear have been fighting all episode, but they find the train at the end. So things are looking up for them and very poorly for everybody else. Let's get into the episode. I do actually, uh, let's start with Gus and Jeopard again and Bear, because as we said, Pete, you were very nervous we weren't going to see Bear again, nervous we weren't going to get this information, but we do pretty much right off, and I thought that was great. Well, yes, yes, very, I'm just upset that you're moving past what I thought was like an unbelievable, really cool shot in the beginning, like it Well, in the recap, I didn't talk about every scene, that's what the rest of this I don't want to miss, I don't want to skip this part because we're going to talk about it later, and then like we might miss this little part, but such a Oh. I can't frame my criticism without criticizing you, Alex. Is that? Oh. Uh, yeah, all right. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> like, pretty good job, Alex, but you didn't have my opinion. You didn't say my opinion. In all of the advanced reviews of Sweet Tooth that came out on, I think it was May 26th, most of them criticized my performance on this podcast. Yeah. It is crazy. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. a part of the show, if nothing else. I mean, else. Your, your kind of Brolin was really awful. Anyways, yeah. no, I just thought it was what I really they like. They see a- me Brolin. They oh. hate it. <laughs> They're writing dirty. You are the worst. The absolute worst. Yeah, I just thought it was a really future career. Brilliant, brilliant <laughs> shot. Anyways, yeah, so. Wait, what get, shot? What are you, what shot are you, you just saying? The shot was brilliant. Yeah, I was trying to explain it before, and you guys were doing bits, so I moved on. It's a shot of the, uh, like, billboard outside of town, and then, like, pans up to show the house where she is jamming out to some music to, and Heart it's like glass. this beautiful, like starlit kind of shot. Uh, you can see this little house in the background. It's really f- fantastic. And I, I have a I question really for you. Blown. Was that James Brolin on the billboard? It kind of looked like it, didn't I it? I think it was. I'm not 100% sure, but it definitely looked like him. I wonder, is that from, because it, it, the, the image, I was like, oh, I feel like I've seen that before. And the, what were the words there? Time has come. Yeah, so it's a whole like time thing going on. It feels like maybe that's a a poster from another movie or something. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, great. Oh, so Brolin heads to- out there. Brolin heads out there. Step up. Yeah, I was super happy. And you guys were like, you know, don't worry. It's not. I was like, oh, man, Bear's gone. Uh, but yeah, somehow she got ahead of them and then in the tree and she was just chilling, waiting for him to walk by. Smart She's Bear. Yeah. She's um, Bear's. Bears love trees. And I'm also glad that we got the envelope right out of the, uh, uh, you know, because it was like, holy crap, what if she never gets that information and they could really use that if they're going to Colorado. So, like, uh, great to kind of like. And then you guys also were like, oh, man, what are they going to explain the flowers? And they did that in this episode, too. You guys really on point with a lot Uh, of things. they didn't. They they didn't a little bit. The part I, I we talked about last time that I think we're curious about is do the flowers actually correspond to someone with the sick? Um, like they're saying here, like maybe this is a mass grave and that's why there's so many flowers there. And then we see uh, later that the sings, there are a ton of flowers growing in their yard as uh, Ronnie keeps getting um, worse uh, sick. Yeah, but it seems like the flowers have a little some kind of power or something to them because they help. Uh, Gus kind of get in touch with his, uh, you know, inner pep talk there. And we got to see. 
Well, there was a lot of stuff that I felt like, and not to the detriment of the show, I don't say this uh, as a slam by any means, but there was a lot of big vibes of other things going on here. Certainly lots of Wizard of Oz with the poppy fields, Gus falling asleep there, having a dream, having a vision. Uh, And then the whole dream itself felt very Hansel and Gretel as well, following the trail of candy through the woods. Um, So I think... I don't know. I I loved all this stuff. I thought this was a really nice, really smart, really direct episode. You know, I know I'm probably focusing on this stuff too much, but one thing that I did want to mention that we haven't talked about yet is I love these episode lengths that back in the day, Netflix used to honestly overstuff episodes. I think they were going for trying to keep people on the platform for too long. The, The shows were 60 minutes, 60 plus minutes. Here we're getting these very direct forty minute episodes, not to get too wonky about it. It's uh it's actually thirty-eight minutes this that's episode. That's what I'm saying. I think and forty-eight seconds. Great. Thank you, Pete. And thank you for emphasizing my point and add attacking me at the same time. I really appreciate that. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. But all, a lot of these episodes, they vary. We've talked about this with other shows as well. And uh, the thing that I don't want to get too wonky about, but Netflix changed the way that they measure and talk about shows, where basically they want people to watch two minutes of a show and that's it. And I think once they made that decision, potentially, this is just pure speculation, but I think that really freed up creator to make the episodes as long as they need to be. And if yeah. an episode needs to be an hour plus, awesome. Here... It's really leaving me wanting more every episode. They're telling these very direct stories that all tie together, and they only need 38 minutes and 43 seconds or whatever it is, and that's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be an artificial 42, 45 minutes, whatever. You know, uh, That's great. I enjoy that. I do agree. Let the sh- show length be what it is, so that way we're getting what we're supposed to be getting and not anything more. Yeah, all um, killer, no filler. Let me just sum it up for you in a short uh, amount of time, uh, <laughs> Pete, since I know every second counts. Yeah. Um, um, speaking of every second counting, I mean, you guys as fathers, did you really feel that please moment where oh, Gus on, was like... <laughs> yeah. Wait. You're all so, over the place. Pete just wants to get through this as quickly as possible so he can eat the Reese's I'm, peanut butter. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm just jolting for my candy. And I just got wait. How much candy on. did you eat before ah, the podcast? I can do it already. This is Pete's only candy avenue. Not true. Uh, but So he is fiending for it. But I do want to talk about, so we had this opening sequence. We learned that Gladys faked her death. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about this moment, it feels like just a, a scene that is meant to show that Abbott is a monster. But I don't, I think it belies underneath this that really this is showing that the, whatever uh, Gladys was doing was so bad that she faked her death and risked her life, which ended up costing her life, to get away from it. So to me, this whole sequence is about putting Singh further on the hook to say he is about to take a big moral dive here. And then by the end of the episode, we we pay that off and we're going to see him just become much, much worse, uh, which I, I thought this was a great just structure for the episode. Yeah, I re- like the fact that the villain saves the day at the end, like saves Dr. Singh was such a crazy thing to have happen. Like we have this villain who's like dancing to the music she's dancing to. Uh, and then he creepily smokes a pipe, though. I mean, that's a that's a clear sign. I loved Abbott in this episode just as a the the 
silhouette that he strikes, the way that he's holding his body the entire time, the way that they shoot him. The actor's name is Neil Sandilands. We talked about this in the preview episode. He was a villain on The Flash, too. He played the thinker, and he was very good there. So clearly very good at playing villains. This is a very different thing, but they he's always leaning into camera and leaning towards people, and they shoot him a little too close uncomfortably so yeah. that his beard doesn't fit in the entire frame. His glasses are glinting in the fire. He's smoking the pipe just very ominously the entire time. Um, and they always film him from very low angles as well, like at the end. So they know what he's doing, and he's doing relatively subtle work for such an over-the-top character where it's just, it's very careful the way that he's talking about things. He talks to Gladys and he just sort of throws it out to her. Same as he presents to Sig at the end, the way they write the line, Dr. Sig, you have a lovely house, which is the most ominous, terrifying way of ending the episode. Oh my God. But on the surface, a relatively innocuous line. The camera work is sort of is making Abbott. It's a little bit of a propaganda film uh, we get to see because he's actually pretty skinny and slight. Um, so there we get to build him up as this sort of larger than life villain, which I think is great. Um, but yeah, to your point, like he he's playing it way different. He's not like a cartoon. It feels like this is some mean dude who got elevated in the apocalypse because he was willing to go further than anybody else. Yeah, and that whole thing about uh, having soldiers was so uh, kind of like creepy in all the right ways. It was such a thing where he was like, uh, if I'm wrong, why are these people willing to put down their lives for what we're doing? Like, it's it's very cra- crazy and a very interesting villain setup, especially the way he saves the day at the end. And to the point about Gladys, just to clarify some information that we learn in this episode, we already knew this, but she, I believe, left because she would, did not want to harvest animal children anymore for this cure. She didn't want to be part of The Last Man, very similar to Jeopard, because they are trying to kill every hybrid in existence. They believe that is the thing that's causing the sick. We've already established that there's a bunch of people who think, no, absolutely, it's not. Bear had the speech the last episode about the animal children, the hybrids potentially being the thing that prevents the sick in a certain way, the Earth's way of surviving and continuing the human race, even as a human-animal hybrid race. So we don't know necessarily who's right about this, and that's part of the thing that makes Abbott interesting is, yes, on the surface, he's villain, but... We don't know. We haven't seen any scientific proof that the hybrids didn't cause the sick. So he could be right. Bear could be right. Either thing could be true. Yeah. And uh, speaking of characters kind of learning stuff, we get Gus learning how cool fist bumps are. You know, that was just a fun moment where Gus is like, why do I need to make a fist? And then, you know. Not only does he learn what a fist bump is, he masters them by yeah, and then makes it ha- mandatory for everybody who's rolling in his crew to be like, "Listen, fist bumps all around, or otherwise we're stopping right here." Yeah, that's why we have our mandatory greeting of a wet willy in each other's, <laughs> which is slightly different, but the same sentiment could have been the start of COVID. Is the wet willy okay? Okay, but that's uh, we are sort of hybrids in our own way, half human, half podcast. Um. Wow. More podcasts now than man at this point. <laughs> Controversial statement here. I love Gus. Gus is so good. I, what? I know, right? What? 
I love what the actor is doing in this episode. He is so delightful. I know we talked about it in the last episode, too. Just his expression, the way that he was playing bumper cars, the way that he engages with everybody. But Jeopard and Bear have this conversation where I think it's Jeopard says he has hope pouring out of every single part of his body or every single one of his pores yeah. or something like that. And that is a hard thing to do, but he nails it. He really does. And you see it on screen in scenes like the, the two ones that jumped out to me in particular were we were talking about Gus begging Jeopard and doing the please, 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 which the is so charming. Longest, please. Yeah. And it works. Yeah, but as dads, does that break you? Those those pleases like yeah, that. If you say if you say please eight times in a row, that's it. It's that's over. it. You lost. Oh, okay. Oh wow. Yep. I Seven times. That. No, holding firm. Eight times. Yeah, strong, strong, to me, strong, uh, you know, shattered. I don't have children, so I'm just like I, you're using the same word over and over again and repeating yourself. It's not going to get you anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. It depends on how please. tired you are. I think. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, oh, definitely. <laughs> That's everything depends on that. <laughs> uh, well, and I do. Point. Th- I, I think the the only other moment that I wanted to mention, other than the please, 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 that I thought was so charming, is when Jeopard says, "You know, I'm going to come with you to Colorado," and they have this super wide shot of Ju- Gus squealing and trying to hug Jeopard, and Jeopard is so huge and Gus is so small. I loved it. My heart grew five sizes Aww. larger wow. that day. You're the Grinch. So you have a size five heart. I had uh, a heart attack is what I'm trying to say. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, what I like about this a lot, too, in this episode, their relationship is Jeopard has sort of become a little bit more childlike um, in this episode specifically. Uh, I feel like he's much uh, younger than he was when we first met him, especially with Bear there. And they're sort of competing to be the parent uh, for Gus. And the bit where he's like, um, uh, I found a bunch of caramel apples. And he's like, OK, he's out of earshot. And then just like says, like, I, I'm going to follow this kid and just like really reaffirms his relationship to Gus to Bear. I thought it was great. Bear sort of does the same thing. And uh, and we have a trio. This is like this is the gang. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. And like the the banter back and forth is funny. Like, you know, Jeff is just railing on the fact of like. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to you. You're the one who dresses up like an animal and kills people or whatever. So it's the back and forth is enjoyable, even when they save Gus and they're still fighting over who got the parachute and who had to wear the helmet. It was very fun. Very you believe fun. this parachute stuff that they made up for the show about people <laughs> jumping out of airplanes? That it was hysterical. Yeah, it I've does sound insane. It sounds insane to be like, yeah, people for fun would jump out of an airplane and hope a little blanket saved them. Like, no way would I ever do that. Most of the time, people are like, as far as I know, are inside planes. Like, you would never really want to jump out. I just wanted to do a quick point of clarification. What Jeopard says is that there is a caramel apple tree, mm. which was very funny. Uh, because Gus would 100% believe that that was definitely a thing. I like that. Uh, The parachute scene, to the point you guys are making, was really fun as well. Just having that behind him, Gus going, okay, sure, you guys are pulling my foot again, and having the dead body hanging behind him the entire time, and Jeopard and Bear terrified that he's going to turn around and see it and be traumatized was great. Should we talk about the dream a little bit? Because this is something we've touched on almost every episode, the pseudo-mystical aspects of the show. And I think this, again, really doubles down on that because we get to see 
Abbott in the dream, who Gus has not met, with the fire in his eyes, which we get to see again at the end of the episode when Abbott goes into the burning building with Singh and Ronnie. So there clearly is something psychic, some sort of prognostication going on here, something that makes Gus a little bit beyond the regular hybrid. Let me ask you this, because I agree with you. Was that an actual conversation with his father? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, his spirit there. That whole bit where he looked at the like hourglass was really funny. That was fun. That was was funny. Sad. Sad. Because he's like, I don't have a lot of time. And then he looks and there's like the hourglass just sitting there. I I, just the I thought that was a funny bit. Um, It's like if you were sort of I identified that because if it's like being on a podcast where there's a candy bar at the end. And you're like just, it's waiting, just sitting there. And it's just kind the, of like, yeah. And you're yeah. like, yeah, I got mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, Pete, you have an hourglass that's filled with Reese's pieces, right? <laughs> oh, man. If I'm smart, <laughs> and when it I runs would. out, it, it's stuck. So that shit would be smashed yeah. open in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. The bottom is open. So it's basically like a funnel <laughs> that Pete puts in his mouth and it just drops in yeah. there over the course of an hour. I, I, yeah, I, I lose a lot of time that way. It's like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes to hell and they're like, you're going to eat all the donuts in the world. And he's like, yop, 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 yop. <laughs> that's Pete with Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know if that's really Pooba in the dream or not. I, I don't. I don't know. The, that's a good question. I think like uh, while I was watching it, I certainly felt this is Gus's memory of his father. But. It's certainly something that is giving him information. You know, there is information that he does not know. Brave, yeah. Um, And it didn't really feel like his puva necessarily. You know, it was certainly Mm. more encouraging and forgiving. So it might be something else. No, I think interesting. Something actively guiding him, like an internal sense, or no, I think something external. Whether it's I don't know, not to get too floofy, like it could be the collective unconsciousness of the hybrid children. It could be the earth, like we talked about the last episode. It could be something very mystical like that, potentially. But it's somebody who's telling him, you're ready now. Look at yourself, Gus. You're ready to go on this journey. You're ready to do the thing that you were meant to do. We don't know what that thing is yet. And I was certainly struck by the idea that Gus's journey in terms of the show right now is find your mom. Right. That's his goal as the hero of the show. And relatively speaking, that's a big emotional goal, but it's a small world goal. So it feels like there's something that we're heading towards at the end of the season, whether he finds his mother or not, that is going to send him into the next phase of his journey. That is going to be something even bigger and something about potentially the fate of the world. The the mirror part was weird because like anybody who you kn- knows you sh- when you're tripping balls, you never look at a mirror. Okay. That's it's awful. It's the worst thing you can do. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they kind of like had at that point, things got weird. Cause that's, that's on par. That's regulation to what happens. Pete, I'm very surprised that you didn't call out that dog came alive and licked Gus in this episode. That felt like that's the sort of thing you'd be super into. Yeah, it was adorable and kind of crazy. At first, I thought like maybe uh, the the last man had found him and it was like a dog licking him and he was kind of daydreaming that it was his dog. But uh, yeah, that animation part was good. There was a weird shot where it was like 
uh, a big man and bear and the background looked a little bad. Uh, but overall, I thought like the animation and stuff. Are you talking about the bridge stuff? Yeah, the bridge stuff. Yeah, the bridge little... stuff didn't quite work. That was the first yeah. kind of wonky green screen thing. Well, but... yeah, yeah. That was the second time I've been pulled out of the show. The first time was when the Muppet uh, Bobby showed up. But you know, Bobby? No, yeah. Muppet Bobby. Oh. Oh, Alex just really pushing the vocal reel. Before... <laughs> Before we move on, what was your childhood toy that, if you were tripping balls, would come alive and lick you? What was your your stuffed animal? Oh, I had a little eraser of a Cabbage Patch Kid that I used to play with all the time. An eraser? (laughs) Yeah. Like a a pencil eraser with a Cabbage Patch Kid on it, painted on it? No, it was just, I didn't have a pencil, I just had the eraser. (laughs) Wow. What a metaphor. Man, <laughs> after last episode where I talked about playing with poison dart frog toys, I feel like I, get, I have some sort of implication that I had a really sad childhood and grew up in a bunch of garbage. <laughs> no, no, no one's saying that. I did it. I had a great time playing with my erasers and frog toys. Yeah, yeah no, all by exactly. myself. It was just. It was it was, let's be clear. So it was definitely all by yourself. Yeah, There's and no I'm glad. Other- your parents gave you toys. You know what I mean? Because those seemed like very appropriate toys for kids. <laughs> yeah. Definitely Here's an eraser. The, your eraser friend. Mm-hmm. Where did, did you find it? Or was it... I'm very curious how that would become... Well, I've talked to you guys about this before, but you know how Cabbage Patch Kids came with na- names, right? So oh, the yeah. one... Yeah. No, you would name the Cabbage Patch Kid and then you would send it in, the certificate. The birth no, I got, no they, they came with names. Your parents nope. lied to you, Pete. Nope. No, and I would have changed the name because my Cabbage Patch was named Dickie Francis. So I stuck with that, but I named the eraser Dickie Francis Jr. <laughs> no, you got to you got to name your that's wait, amazing. Wait, I, that's amazing. I hate I to shouldn't. keep asking follow up questions here, but <laughs> so what happened to the actual Dickie Francis that you were Len were like, forget that. I want this junior <laughs> eraser. This is I the gave real shit. Dickie Francis to my younger brother so that he could have a cabbage oh, patch kid and then amazing. I kept I had the eraser to play with. I mean, if we want to get further into this, I did pretend that uh Dickie Francis Jr. had <laughs> superpowers and his name was no super doubt. dicky <laughs> okay and he would you know fly around my room a little bit of course just a little bit <laughs> super dicky would fly around your room uh don't read into that don't read oh, anything into that no 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 no, no, no. thank no. you for sharing no no i'm trying not to make eye contact with you right now <laughs> uh pete what was your um weird I can't child that i can't follow that, <laughs> I can't follow that. There's no way I can about it. Right. We, our, the point of these um, questions is to expose someone and then quickly move on so no one else has to. Yeah. Well, why don't we move on then and talk about Amy's storyline? We can talk about Amy's storyline because I really like these scenes. You know, I was initially, and I think I mentioned this on the podcast, but I was initially a little thrown by jumping around so much. But they are doing such a good job of thematically tying everything in and it is exciting when we get to visit these other characters now. You know, there's so much focus on Gus and Jeppard. When it goes to a scene with Amy, I'm like, oh, great. We get to see Amy and Pigtail. I love Pigtail. I know you guys are rooted out by Bobby, but I even like Bobby and love the little, the little shots of the other animal kids as well. Bobby bothered me so much. I had to last night watch Emmett and Otter's Jug Band Christmas because I Bobby was haunting me so much. Uh, Wait. I felt like you had to watch that to make it better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because wow. Bobby's Christmas. was 
was haunting me with that kind of like kind of looked like a bad uh, puppet just like that movie was like you know uh kind of like you could really tell anyways christmas uh, in um, june um i agree with you alex i do like these scenes as well and i think it's because um the way that they they're slowly sort of coming together I, i've talked a lot about how this show has just tension oozing out of every pore alongside hope um and these scenes are doing a great job of sort of closing in on Gus and Jeopard almost from two sides. Um, and the fact that Abbott is now um, sort of tied to the Amy stuff through the flyer that he finds, and then now directly tied to sing by the end of the episode. Uh, and we got to see those flyers early on. So it was cool to, well, that's another thing that we should really talk about is the timeline is very interesting on this yeah. show and they've been yeah. relatively subtle about it, but it makes sense. If you been watching, uh, like you're saying, Pete, we got to see these flyers. They were done over Yellowstone where Poopa was. He hid the one from uh, Gus. I think we saw it in Singh's storyline, maybe at some point as well. But it'll be interesting to see where all this ends up because it almost feels like we could be heading to a place where this Amy story is now happening in real time, but potentially what's happening with Gus and Jeopard is kind of happening in the past and it's all going to come crashing together, potentially. See, it's funny you say that because I've interpreted it as the Amy stuff is in the past mm. and the Gus Jeopard stuff is sort of ahead of that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's going to be like a lake house thing where it's like, you know, all of a sudden they're going to come crashing yeah. together at the end. And and again, please don't explain your reference oh. to a very off-brand uh, Keanu Reeves movie. <laughs> or uh, don't, don't try brand. to it. A very on-brand Sandra Bullock movie, yeah. but a very off-brand Keanu Reeves come on, movie. Sandra Bullock, come on, man. Feel free to not explain that at all. But Justin, did you want to share a story of your doll? Because I know sometimes when you bring things up, it's because you have a good story. And I don't oh, are we going back to that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Uh, I had a blanket, so I never was really. Oh, wow. You were like uh, Linus? You were straight up I was Linus? A, a bit of a, a bit of a Linus. Um, and uh, and so there was. Less, was it blanky? Like what was what was the blanket's name? I think it was full blanket. I'm a formal, it was formal um, oh, okay. terms with each other. Okay. We weren't friends. We were just like uh, roommates, uh, essentially. Oh, okay. Um, so you had one blanket when you grew up on the well, and uh, so you guys were real close? Cool. I mean, it was the family blanket because we grew up so gold dirt in the country, it was hard <laughs> to really uh, have anything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple of things I want to mention about this AB storyline, though, just to jump back forward. See, sure, we're sure. doing our own timeline thing here going on. It's, it's going wow. all over the place. So first of all, we didn't mention this in the first episode. I forgot to uh, when we saw Amy, I guess it was actually the second episode. Uh, but the zoo is the Essex County Zoo. And Essex County was the first graphic novel that Jeff Lemire did. So that's a cute Ooh, little tip nah, of the hat. Tip of, yeah. the hat. tip of the hat. Easter egg going on there. Also, I liked the fact that we got the ribbon as this ominous thing, which was pretty understated the way that they played it out. You know, there was no flashback to the first episode, but we know that's a thing that the last men have found your place. If that happens from watching the first episode, and it was nice to see that pop up here in the fifth one. And the last thing that I wanted to say was uh, just uh, more of a question, actually. So the, the thing that happens at the beginning where Amy hears a guy saying, please, there's a possum baby. you got to help. The possum baby is very sick. Do you think that was a trick? Yeah, that's a trick. Yes. It's clearly okay. a trick. Yeah, yeah. That was not a real – that was an agent. 
But either way, either way, I think it's it's meant to show that Amy is actually being very careful and that she is uh, trying hard to not be found. She's not sort of as Pollyanna-ish uh, being like, I'm just going to do the best and everything's going to work out. She is, you know, careful about her work. Um, speaking of careful, I just want to kind of check with you guys. Like, I know Gus was tripping balls, but like, would you guys eat candy that's in a mailbox? You shouldn't eat mailbox candy, right? Hmm. Um, well, is it, is it my mailbox? Yes. It's your mailbox. And it's loose candy that I found in my mailbox. In your mailbox. Yeah. Then somebody has sent it to me. So yeah, I'm going to eat it. (laughs) Okay. Just, just checking to see if maybe I was wrong, but it turns out I am because I would not eat loose mailbox candy. Yeah. Loose candy. It's hard because how is the postage applied to the loose candy? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was really sent from um and let's keep in mind last episode you bought a cup of gummy stuff with basically half, saran wrap over half the top. A cup. Yeah, like there yeah. was so much extra space. Like, that's where I the ate the rest of that bones. cup. Not the candy, just the cup. Just the cup. I just chewed on that for a while. Outside of homes and insane asylums, stuff is rarely dispensed uh in cups. Mm-hmm. That's my wife kept coming up to me and said, Okay, it's time for your dosage. Uh, one thing I, I seriously want to talk about that I like that kind of like parallels the real life is like hunters will kind of like mark things with those ribbons. Um, so it's interesting to see like uh, people are being hunted or these hybrids are being hunted and it's kind of using the same markings, which I thought was kind of yeah. a cool. I thing. think that's uh, de- definitely purposeful and is a cool um, way of doing it. Yeah. Let's talk about Singh's storyline before we start to move on to the important part of the podcast, of course, the candy review. Uh, this is great. I mean, it was so heartbreaking, so well done. I don't know about you guys. I knew intellectually that Abbott was going to show up and put out the fire and stop all this at the end of the episode. You did? Yeah, just intellectually, because they set it up as like, where's the book? And Gladys says it's yeah, with Singh, I can't so of course he's Gladys. Didn't like put up a fight or anything. Just completely sold out. She knew out she was going to die. My point, though, is don't you tell know the truth. From the don't help the, the villain. From the beginning of the episode to the end of the episode, you know that Abbott is going to show up, but they let it go on and sit there long enough and emotionally enough with Singh and Ronnie Saran wrapped to the chairs that I started to doubt myself. I started to think, yeah. "Oh my God, they're going to really die here." This is. Terrible. Did you see her pinky touched his when it was shaking? Mm-hmm. I was so creeped yeah. out by that. I know. Oh. Pink is popping. Exactly. Pink is popping. He's like, don't touch me with your pinky before we die. (laughs) What does that matter? Why? He's going to die. Get sick now. That's the best time to get sick. Dr. Singh seems like a smart person. He's standing in front of his yard with tongs pulling out flowers. Get a lawnmower, man. Just go back and forth a couple times with that. What are you doing? You want to get them by the root. When you're talking about uh, tripping uh, poison murder flowers, you got to pull them up from the root because that's going to have a strong uh, okay. pull on the ground. All right. I'm just saying for looks wise, maybe cut it real quick and then go after the root because just going tongs one by one, you know, people are going to see that and, and know what's when up. When I'm working on my lawn, I use tongs to just really fluff up every little blade of grass because I care. Wow. Similar to how I was saying I'm really invested in Gus. 
this episode, and this is the one where I really started to feel it this week. Uh, and I think I'm really invested in Amy and Pigtail's relationship as well. I'm also really invested in Singh and Ronnie, and the show is doing a wonderful job of suckering you in with every single emotional relationship. It's great. You're fully invested. Yeah. yeah. You are fully invested in the show. And uh, to your point about how um, you were, you really felt the um, the stakes on Singh, like they could have died there. I think the, what they did, which was really smart, is they cut away. They're saran wrapped, fire starting, and they cut away. Like, oh wait, we're supposed to see them be saved, and then we go, we don't. We see we go to Amy and all the other stuff, and then come back. So it, they did a good job again of just like maximizing the tension of the whole situation. I'm glad there wasn't a guy eating pie outside of the thing because that if you're like looking out and like burning to death, and you see somebody eating pie, that's so insulting. Well, they were singing though. Yeah, they were singing. They were singing all night side. Uh, what did you think about the Easter egg when Bob is looking around the neighborhood for Nancy and he says that she's been missing for two weeks, two weeks, two weeks? Did you like that? That was fun. What? It was a reference to Total Recall, her character in Total Recall, oh, that she was geez. missing for two weeks. Oh, my God. Always, it really. It was two weeks. It was three days. I got confused about what you two were talking weeks. about. Two weeks. Two nice. weeks. Oh, my God. Um, I'm glad I said that out loud. Yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, we all are. And imagine how <laughs> glad the listeners are. <laughs> too bad we can't edit that out. Exactly. No editing. That's uh, been our rule from the jump. This is all real. It's all live to tape, fresh. Um, what I was going to say was Ronnie in this episode, it's interesting the way Ronnie and Singh, this couple that were like, they're fun, they're nice, we like them. But Ronnie is like pushing the moral uh, sort of spiral that they're going on for pretty perhaps selfish reasons, like she doesn't want to die from mm-hmm. sick. Singh sort of behind her being like, I don't know if we should be doing this, but I'm going to do it because I love you. And this push-pull is now ha- put this in a situation where they are going to be working for Abbott. And the whole, like, Dr. Singh, like, when them when they were riding on the horsey together uh, to go get the kind of shipment, and the just the emotional roller coaster of you walk in, like, oh, where is she? Oh, she must have left early. And then we're kind of putting it together, like, why isn't she there? Oh, my God, the freezer's open. Oh, my God, Nancy's in there. Uh, and it's like, they're like, oh, maybe that's why she left. And then like, as they kind of are putting it together, the people kind of bum rush in. That's such a cool, well-timed thing of like, we're all kind of solving it with Dr. Singh. And Singh is like, yeah, the reason for that, you know, just seeing him try to come up with it. Like they didn't have the juice. sit in these moments and and kind of raise the tension in such a nice way that doesn't feel like, you know, too manipulative, but like really just kind of a, a, a well done amount of time. Putting that body in the freezer, not smart. These people, not good at murder. They they don't know how to win it once at horse. Once you're horsed, um, if you're the horse er you do a better horsey. job of taking care of it. She was Nancy's the horsey, obviously. She got horsed. <laughs> she got horsed. And uh, the Sings are the ones who are doing the horsing, technically. <laughs> and they need to do a better job on the back end. Pete, yeah. it's like you haven't even read the Bible that Justin put together for Get Horsed. It's like yeah. 300 pages, explains all the rules of the show. If we're going to make this show and sell this show to maybe Netflix, uh, let's. They'll take anything. Floor is lava, get horsed, put it together. Perfect synergy. 
Floors love a gift horse. One little note that I wanted to mention, one uh, just tiny little scene that I thought was so smart and really points to the confidence of the show. In that scene where Sig is stumbling and trying to explain what is going on to the entire town, he calls out that we're just savages with better haircuts. And there's a quick shot of a guy oh, yeah, with a great guy. haircut who's like, what, me? Well, yeah, which is very funny. And I that the show can have this darkness and this humor in the middle of it is great. I'm just having a really good time watching this show. Also, speaking of little moments, like when we got to the zoo, um, you know, we kind of had a whole arc there where it went from like her being very public to then cutting it off and being very private again. But also the the Muppet uh, child uh, is, you know, we Bobby? just had this. Stop it. It's so bad. Me, Bobby. No, stop. It pulls me out every time I see Bobby. So uh, Bobby is digging holes everywhere. He's not doing kind of special. I'm just hoping that, like, he's trying to do something to protect the zoo. So I'm glad we got, like, a little line that maybe Bobby's being proactive for the people who are coming for them. Yeah, hopefully that was my big concern of the episode, that was Bobby is pulling his weight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is Bobby doing enough for the zoo that doesn't exist? Bobby bought a zoo, and Bobby needs to work on the zoo if Bobby wants to continue to own the zoo. And I think that's a great point to move on with the candy review portion of the podcast. What, Pete? The the thing of, like, they're pulling the thing off, and then it's like, sorry, out of hybrids, like the out-of-service thing that, like— I'm sure we've all had moments where it's like we really needed something, you get that little sign that's like— back in an hour or closed or whatever. And it's just like, oh, like I get it every time I get my crate that is supposed to include hybrids that I'm going to harvest. And they just leave me a note. It's very rude. Let's talk about candy. Today we are going to be reviewing Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. There you go. Wait, did you just pull out Reese's Pieces? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Come on. Put that shit away. We're not doing them. In just here. loose drawer Reese's My kids pieces. wanted to eat them. I got the kids ice cream, and we had the Reese's Pieces. We weren't going to review them, so I opened them up, but I had some left. But Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, this is, uh, I think, my favorite. I will never stop eating these. They are so good. This is your favorite. I think this is my favorite. They're definitely, like, when there's a holiday display at the store, I'll always go for the different Reese's stuff, the Peanut Butter Cups. But the originals are the best. The ratio is perfect ratio. Um, well, the minis also have a really great ratio, too. The minis are good. I'll have a mini on Halloween, but something when you get into like the bunnies or the Christmas trees or something, usually too much peanut butter or yeah, agreed, too much chocolate. I this love is how like, you guys both have your candy like very specifically uh, siloed for different sections of the year, a day, mm-hmm. and hour. also the ridges on the peanut butter cup are just fantastic. That's you guys great. have already eaten both of yours? I'm just unwrapping the <laughs> <Yeah>. cup. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm done. I've already had 15 of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, mm. here's the thing. I'm not a chocolate peanut butter guy. What? Mm. These two things together and you're like, no? Uh-uh. You get this little fancy tray that it comes on? I mean. Yeah, it's basically foil? like a five-star hotel for your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You just so let me get this straight. Pete, you just pull the tray up to your mouth and shove both cups in. You spit the wrapper out like you'd a person that ties the cherry stem into a little knot. He ties the tray into a knot. It's very <laughs> impressive. So you don't like this. You don't like this, Justin. I don't like this. I would oh never purchase my God. this. Do you like peanut butter? Uh, yeah, I like peanut butter cookies. Um, what? 
it's peanut butter and chocolate I don't like. And also this, what? as much as you like, you said you like the ratio to me, it feels like this is all peanut. It's like eating a gob of peanut what? butter. Where's the, the, the art here? Oh where's my the, God. Where's the crafts person? Oh shit? my God. Stop <laughs> talking. You're crunching me. No, because you got the, like Pete was saying, you got the slightly thicker chocolate around the end that gives you a little bit of bite to it because otherwise the peanut butter is soft. You got the sweet with the chocolate. You got the salty with the peanut butter. Perfect. And these are big enough that you you take a bite of it and then there's more. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Two in there, like a Twix. I'll tell you what, the rest of the stuff we've eaten, I could resist uh, eating all of it. This, I got to eat both of them. Oh, you got to eat both. But here's the thing. From my perspective, when I see it, there's more. I'm like, got to keep working on this <laughs> peanut butter. Pie. How can you not? All right. Peanut butter and jelly, right? You think that's good together? Yeah, that's a sandwich. Okay. Uh, great. Call it a sandwich. <laughs> Call it whatever you want. But I'm just saying that, like, you don't like two amazing things together. I'm saying what else is wrong with you? Like, what other things don't you think go together? See, I'm more like, ooh, salt and vinegar. Potato chips. Okay. That's a win right there. Oh, okay. Sure. So if it was it. like a salt cup with vinegar sloshing around inside exactly. of it, you'd be all in. I'd be, be like, it. yeah, I'll just drink that. Oh, <laughs> I'll just drink that straight. <laughs> Does the body good. Oh, my God. And here's the thing. And uh, th- I know this is perhaps controversial, um, given everything we talked about. I do like Reese's Pieces. Really? Wow. Because yeah. in the Reese's Piece. And of course, Reese's Pieces, like, there's less chocolate, and the peanut butter is, like, just, like, boop. My biggest (laughs) problem with Reese's Pieces, not to jump on you, Justin, and definitely you, Pete, but... There's not enough. I got to eat a bunch of them. There's a whole bag of them. You get a whole. No, but at the time, like eat one of them and then it's gone. That's why it's a handful at a time, man. Well, that's why I like the cup. Is that it's see the Reese's pieces are my favorite because it's more portable and uh, you know this is like a fancy. I got to be sitting down. I got to be like the Reese's pieces are great. It's you know more manageable. You you eat the peanut butter cup with a knife and fork. Exactly. I got to get a cloth napkin. Tuck it in. Yeah, yeah. Please pass the uh, another cup. I'll have. I will have another cup. Thank you, Alfred. We sort of touched on this, but I want to know from you, Pete, just other than Reese's Pieces, those aside, because we're not even talking about that this episode, Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Is the Peanut Butter Cup number one? I know this is sort of a much-discussed thing, or do you prefer the eggs, the trees, the pumpkins, anything like that? No, no, no. They they get the combination wrong. The mini does it right, and then this. And also, freezing a peanut butter cup and then eating it is just so great, too. So when you saw the title of this episode, What's in the Freezer, freezer you thought maybe some Reese's Peanut Butter. Yeah, because that's, that's what's in my freezer. Mm-hmm. Do you think that a lot, Pete, when everyone, ever anyone asks you a question, you're like, maybe Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are what they're <laughs> Yeah, that's my first thought. And you know what they say, first thought, best thought. Yep, that is something <laughs> everybody says. <laughs> Don't think it through. First thought, best thought. <laughs> and that's the MO of our podcast. If you'd like to support us, please. <laughs> wait, 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 before oh, we wait, move what, on, what, what? I just want to do a quick sort of uh, stat check, heat check. We've got, uh, I've selected a, a, the number one. Pete selected his number one. And Alex has alluded to a potential number one. Mm. But you're still open, right? We got to find out. Uh, we teased this the last episode. Who is going to win the syrup cup? 
at the end of the season. Yeah. So I'm going to hold it a little close to my chest. I don't want to give it away too much. So we're going to have to make a case for our individual candy. That's uh, right. Is that what we're building mm-hmm. toward? In the last episode, we're going to try a candy. Maybe we'll do a bonus episode. Maybe we'll do an extended final episode. But we'll choose which candy of the eight that we've tried over the course of the podcast wins the syrup cup, the coveted syrup cup. I'm going to say I have a strong vote against the peanut butter cup. No way this wins. Not not to kind of like get too much into the candy weeds. This show is also very enjoyable. You know what I mean? Like I'm having a great time. <laughs> oh, with the thank show you for too. bringing that up. Yeah. The this episode specifically, the oh shit moments with the villain, just like the door, like her opening a door to throw out a bug and the supervillains there was such an oh shit moment. You know what I mean? These people, as we're watching them die and the villain walks in to save them, such an oh shit moment. Like this is really the, the Reese's peanut butter cup. Of TV shows. I exactly. Say. Yeah. Not to allude yeah. to what I think is my favorite so far. It but seems like mm, you are. We'll see. If you'd like to support our show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Sweet Tooth or your favorite candy. Either way, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Until next time, stay sweet out there. Ah, Dickie Francis, come home. Come home.